Hello, you're listening to What We Just Watched from TV Cream. And this is the third and final part of our festive trilogy for Christmas 2019. I'm Chris. I'm Graham. And I'm Ian. And today, it's my choice of programme. So, Graham, Ian, uh, this is another of those selections for what we just watched, where uh, there is what we would now call a cold open, and what then we would have called an opening sketch. So, I basically want you to first identify where we are and who you're anticipating seeing and then from there you can probably guess what programme it is we're watching so here we go so we're outside number 10 Downing Street aren't we so who who's going to be inside? It's going to be the prime minister. Yeah, who's it, which one will it be? Or is it going to be Callahan. Heath? Is it? It looks seventies. Yeah, so is it's it, carol singers. Is it Wilson? Heath? Callahan? Oh. I'm excited. So there's some. They've knocked on the door. Seven there's a lot of noise. <laughs> it's Callahan. Yes. <laughs> And it's Mike Yarwood. Mike Yarwood. You are indeed correct. So now we're going to watch the 1978 (gasps) Mike Yarwood Christmas show. So we've just watched the Mike Yarwood Christmas show, first broadcast at 8pm on Christmas night 1978 on BBC One. Um, This was a very pivotal show for the BBC Um, earlier in the year. Morecambe and Wise had defected to Thames Television. So suddenly ITV had the destructive force of Eric and Ernie in their Christmas night schedule. So basically, Mike Yarwood had suddenly become elevated and promoted to the number one slot on Christmas night. And another interesting thing about this show is that the BBC had just been on strike before Christmas for for three days. After nearly three days without programmes on either BBC Channel, unprecedented in television history, BBC Two opened first shortly after lunchtime. Good afternoon from BBC Two. And there were kind of fears that maybe that entire Christmas schedule might be might be blacked out, but actually kind of they, they, they came back on air, I think, on, on Christmas Eve, just in time for all the festive shows. Both channels hope to be able to present almost all the Christmas programmes as planned. So this was kind of... Like, there was a lot riding on, on this show. So let me ask you, Ian, first, do you think Mike actually rose to the occasion? Absolutely. Yeah, I don't have any hesitation in saying that. I really enjoyed this more than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. Um, perhaps that is partly because of the reputation that Yarwood has yeah. acquired latterly. Mm. He's he, he kind of well, he fell completely out of yeah. favour and also just disappeared. Yeah, for for years. Um, mm. And so seeing this for the first time, yeah, was a bit of a revelation for me. Uh, and Graham, how did you feel about it? I enjoyed it. I it's. Um I'm not. I don't feel as warmly towards it as as Ian does. 
um, it doesn't come together in the way the Morecambe Wise stuff did as mm. a whole show in a way it felt more like a man linking clips sometimes and sometimes linking them in a very perfunctory yeah. way because we see Mike as himself at the start thank you and good evening and welcome to the show ladies and gentlemen it's very nice to be allowed into your homes on this very special day and at the end well ladies and gentlemen I hope you've enjoyed our Christmas offering this evening it only remains for me to say a very merry Christmas what's left of it yeah. but, but we don't see him as himself kind of linking stuff it's just kind of uh, sketches sort of bolted together. I mean, do you, th- do you think that matters? I'm, I'm not sure that that really matters. I think uh, from the point of view that when Morecambe and Wise, when they would come on, and uh, forgive me that I will be comparing him to Morecambe mm. and Wise, I know that's quite cliche, but when they come on and they do their linking thing. Yeah. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. First of all, I'd like to wish you all a Merry Christmas. Eric, wish them all a Merry Christmas. Eric? Eric, come here and wish them all a Merry Christmas. Hi. <laughs> I, I can't come on, you see. What do you mean? can't come on? I, I, I have no clothes. I've only got this string vest and my jockey shorts. There's stuff going on in there, linking things. Yeah. Whereas Mike is pretty much saying, here's some stuff and I'm going to be doing some impressions. And you sort of think, well, give us a bit more. You know, that's a little bit sort of... Uh, Do you don't think the impressions are enough? No, I think the impressions are, but if you're there and you, he's fronting up a show, it's almost like he's the MD of the Mike Yarwood <laughs> company and the MD comes forward and he's the one you don't really want to hear a speech from. You want to get to the fun bits. And even though it's all Mike Yarwood, he's playing that kind of role at the start. Of, it's like the corporate speech at the start of the night, isn't it? Of yeah. the office party. Yeah. You know, hope you all have a great time. <laughs> Uh, let's say cheers, and then the revelry starts. And Mike is doing both those roles. It's very strange. Well, what? I think it's sorry. I, I only want to say that I think it's slightly unfair on both Yarwood and Morecambe and Wise to compare them directly because it's they're two completely different types of entertainment. Yes. And in whatever context Morecambe and Wise were in their sketches, they were being themselves, even in their historical epics and everything else. The reverse is true of Vyarwood. His whole stick is being somebody else. That's true. And therefore, I would argue that the less we see of him being himself, the better. But then maybe he shouldn't ever appear himself. Maybe he should have emceed uh, the show in character as Larry or Reggie or, you know, one of those characters. It's really interesting seeing both your reactions watching the show. I know, Graham, you're quite kind of not as enthusiastic as, as Ian was, but you were still chuckling along. Oh, yeah, and laughing definitely. Because one of the things I wanted to talk about um, briefly is that Ian, you alluded to uh, Mike Yarwood's reputation. It's, it's, he's kind of been written off out of, and written out of, of TV history almost, and people sort of uh, dismiss him as a bad impressionist. He's not, though, is he? he a, a lot of those impressions are really, really good, and we will talk about specific ones. Uh, but he's really, I think he's really good. He is a superb impressionist. And it's not just vocal impressions. Yeah. He is an impersonator. Yes. It's a difference, isn't it, yes. between an impressionist and a person? I would go so far as to say that most of his impressions are not kind of... They're not vocally accurate. They're not kind of on-the-nail kind of impressions. But he he sort of inhabits the mannerisms. He's nailed the kind of the little kind of uh, turns of phrases that, that, that celebrities use. The said is for Dean, when he decorates, he decorates but good. Do you know he's got holly and ivy hanging from the chandelier? And believe me, Holly and Ivy are two very classy bras indeed. 
I think the thing that he has in his favour, which, and I agree with what you're both saying, is that he inhabits them. Mm. He inhabits the people that he's doing so much so that he can sustain 10-minute sketches yeah. in the character of. He has enough in his arsenal. He's observed enough things, enough quirks about Parky or Reggie yeah. Bosenke yeah. or Larry Grayson yeah. to get through. And it, it's, so the energy never sags in terms of what he's doing. And it seems very fashionable on uh, television this Christmas to have famous politicians. Well, I invited Margaret Thatcher and she accepted but I was too shy to talk to her so I got somebody else to do the chat so, so let's talk about that that Parkinson um, sketch which is the, the first sketch of the show Ian uh, kind of, I think that's the one you, you enjoyed the most evening uh, my special guest tonight is Mrs <laughs> Margaret Thatcher who in her opinion is leader of the Conservative Party <laughs> And it's actually quite audacious to open the show with a long, sustained it is long. sketch. Admittedly, it's a two-hander. Yeah. Because Parky is interviewing yes. uh, none other than Margaret Thatcher. Please, please don't stand up. <laughs> I prefer your kneeling. Yes. Who's, play, who's playing okay. Mrs T? Yes, it's Janet Brown, isn't yes. it? Not Faith Brown, Janet Brown. Yes. Get your Browns correct. Sorry, yes, get that right from the start. And uh, I, I was just... I was kind of almost bowled over by this, really, yeah, because yeah. Parky is someone who it's easy to... You could do a very lazy impression yes, of Parky. Yeah. A grouchy Yorkshireman yeah. who's always kind of a bit pissed off and mumbling <laughs> and asks rude questions and appears a bit um, curmudgeonly. Yeah. But Yarwood does so much more because he, as Graham, you were just saying, he inhabits him and yeah. he's got all the ticks. Yeah the physical things as well as the voice. He's even observed the way uh, Parkinson will plonk himself down in the chair or plonk uh, the clipboard on the coffee table at the end of the interview. It, it's, it's, it's brilliant. But, so, yeah, could it, I, I mean, it has been said. I think, you know, maybe I've said it myself or somebody. <laughs> I possibly read it somewhere that you are, in fact, a very dominant woman. And he has... Parky's kind of I think the things Parky says when he's collecting himself to yes. try and put yeah. another thought yeah. together the kind of almost derisory yes or oh really yeah. or and what's the thing yeah. he says about uh, a thing that I've read that maybe or someone told me or there's, yeah. a, there's a, one of the riffs of the sketch and it's brilliant is, is that uh, they pick up on Yarwood and the writers pick up on the fact that Parky has this habit of saying oh, this something that uh, I've, I've read somewhere that, yeah. and then yeah. this, this comes throughout the sketch and it's elongated to oh I've read or someone's read to me or maybe you've read it to me yourself <laughs> and it just helps to layer on another bit of Parky impressionism well I think Parky likes to deploy that I think I read somewhere which kind of implies that he's kind of constantly leafing through the newspapers he's uh, leafing through the colour supplements so that he's a, he's this <laughs> informed man who's kind of delving into current affairs whereas you yes. know that when he says I think I read somewhere it's in the briefing notes that the researchers gave to him he's mocking that affected casualness yes which is all an act with Parky yeah and it always is because he tries to to position himself as a man of, as, as the everyman, a man yeah. of the, Oh, I read something out yeah. about the. Yeah. Of course, that's all rubbish. Yeah, really incredible. <laughs> and I wonder how much Parky he watched to get all those bits together. And a lot of that stuff surely can't be in the script as well. A lot of the the nonsense that he is doing is must come from Parkinson. I can't believe someone could write those kind of mm. little mm. interstitial. Mm. 
moments where he's gathering his thoughts together. Uh, no, please call me Michael. Thank you. And you can call me Mrs Thatcher. <laughs> it's also interesting, isn't it, to see um, someone doing Margaret Thatcher before we all become aware of how to do Margaret I Thatcher. Was, I was really struck by that because this is Christmas 1978, so this is five months before she's actually even become Prime Minister. But it's the finished article. It's this kind of stately, regal, indomitable figure. Yeah, there is an argument, and there's probably a strong argument to say that Mike Yarwood's show invented that Thatcher. She invented yeah. the Thatcher that we know from Spitting Image. Regrets. I've had a few. Then again, too few to mention. She has a line about having him on the front bench. Now steady on, Michael, otherwise I shall be having you on my front bench. <laughs> yes, well, the mind boggles, however. <laughs> but this idea that she is a kind of uh, an ass-kicking, yeah. sort of blokey... Yeah. Uh, uh, power mad, yeah. uh, indomitable woman, and that's that. You can see all of that is here, and that's yeah. well ahead of the curve. I did it my way. My favourite section, I think, is the the is the news at ten review of the year. <laughs> Yeah. got uh, Mike doing Reggie Bosenkane. Tonight in the special Christmas edition of News at Ten. And I think he has certain characters, doesn't he, that we want to see him do. Yeah. Um, it's like a pop star coming on doing the big hits. And Reggie, he's great at doing Reggie. And I don't know, maybe I'm overthinking it, but I, I almost think there are bits where you can sort of see Mike inside of Reggie <laughs> waving at us, saying, isn't this funny? Yeah. And when that whole sketch starts, there is a bit where Reggie kind of suddenly switches on. He's <laughs> Suddenly this big grin comes across his face. And the whole thing is the setup. It, it, so it's yeah. Mike doing Reggie, and then we've got uh, Janet doing Anna Ford. And actually all they're doing is hoary old jokes, just I, repackaged I know, I know. into new stories. It was the year in which the Nobel Prize for Slim went to a Hungarian doctor who has perfected a technique in which he removes all the bones from your body. It seems not only do you weigh considerably less than you did before, you also look much more relaxed. Well, the thing for me about this sketch is I, I don't remember Reggie Bowers and Kay on the news at all. And so I'm only kind of going from, you know, the legend of Bowers and Kay, this kind of infamously boozy character who yeah. would kind of come on at 10 o'clock every night and read the news in a kind of slightly woozy kind of fashion. It, it's an extraordinary thing. Uh, and so seeing Mike do uh, Reggie made me, made me think I've missed out on something because uh, the, the whole performance of Reggie is fantastic and, and Mike really as you say inhabits and gets inside ready and in April live broadcasts of parliamentary proceedings began and for the first time the public really got an insight into how their MPs behave Mr Percy Edwards impersonates animals sued several MPs for stealing his act <laughs> 
Yeah, it has almost the cadence of like a, of a, a car careering down <laughs> a kind of a windy road yeah. as it gets faster and then yeah. slower and this yeah. kind of, uh, just the tempo that he established there well, is Reggie. Kind of, you can see Mike is Reggie is suddenly amused by something within within these kind of hoary old scripts. Yeah. And kind of, you genuinely get a twinkle in the eye and this kind of smile starts to play upon his lips. I think we mentioned it when we were talking about Parkinson. It's, it's not just the verbal mannerisms, it's the physical mannerisms, these tiny physical mannerisms. Yes, that struck me particularly in another section um, where he does a brief uh, impersonation of Jimmy Carter. This is President Jimmy Carter speaking. I just want to wish every one of you good folks over there a very merry you all time. <laughs> and I can't recall ever seeing footage of Jimmy Carter speaking, yeah. ever. But... You somehow believe that this is this is yeah. how Jimmy Carter was, and Yarwood does this incredible thing with his eyes. He, he almost seems to stop blinking, and he has incredible control over all bits of his face, which enhance so much the things he's doing with his voice. Yeah, and almost yeah. you can forgive the the fact that there wasn't really anything wasn't really any jokes in that Jimmy Carter bit that were certainly nothing to compare with Parkinson mm. but it was such a remarkable in, in sort of encapsulation of this this person that, that you just you go with it I think we should also say about this sketch props to Janet Brown for really nailing Anna Ford in, in the annual best butcher competition at Smithfield Market Mr Seamus O'Connor the Irish contestant was eliminated on the final day after spending eight hours trying to hang up mints she's really got Anna Ford's this slightly blank sort of glassy eyed kind of coolness and she delivers this news in it's, it'd be unfair to describe it as monotone but there's not a lot of light and shade to it is there no. and, and it's interesting that they went with kind of Reggie and Anna because I think they had this kind of sort of legendary sort of relationship with, with, within ITN as a kind of as a, as a news presenting duo well wasn't it that it was this unlikely pairing yeah. of this uh Boozy, <laughs> old. Uh, He's a roué, isn't he? Reggie's a roué. Town, yeah. yes. With um, this pr- a prim, yeah. um, well-spoken, yeah. very precise um, woman. Was she, she was the first female? I think certainly, certainly on ITN. ITN. I think certainly in 1978, yes. she was she was kind of all over the papers because you know here's a lady reading the news, and yet as you said, they, they uh, struck up uh, according to, to to record this this uh, this chemistry and would they what they passed notes I think, kind of poems. I think they were kind of I think, I think they, they were kind of vaguely poems. vaguely blue kind of limericks <laughs> and and doggerel to while while well, kind of while they, reading the news. well I, I think while the while the reports were, were going on but I think kind of that was one of the sequences we all thought was one of the strongest in the whole show wasn't it. <laughs> So just while we're talking about our favourite highlights of the show, uh, mine was uh, uh, Mike as Larry Grayson fronting the Generation game. Now this is kind of about two or three months since sort of Larry's taken over the Generation game after after Bruce has become another defector <laughs> to to ITV. Uh, it's it's fascinating to see 
just how quickly uh, sort of the nation has taken Larry to its hearts from from Mike's performance because he's got all the tips. Is it warm? Is it me? He's got all the catchphrases. And what a good thing. He's got all the mannerisms of Larry, even just the way he kind of used to sort of jump over that little sort of while the while the kind of the cardboard doors were opening at the start of the generation again, the way he would sort of little do a little skip over the kind of the step. He's he's got it all down pat, hasn't he? It's as if we as a nation and Mike as well have, have already assimilated what Larry has yeah. to give. And this looks like it was probably recorded on the Gen Game it does, set. Yeah, yeah. Probably in front of the yeah. Generation Game audience. Yeah. It must have been a weird night for them because he essentially <laughs> comes on and does almost a pitch perfect Larry. Yeah. He does all the business with the with the glasses on the on the chain. Yeah. It's all there. All the stuff about he hasn't washed his hair. Anyway, I must wash my hair. It's gone all limb. <laughs> I keep saying I'll stay in one night and do the end. <laughs> and and it's almost I mean Larry could have come on and just done that all yeah. himself. Yeah. There's he never satirizes Larry in no. a way. He's just observing Larry. Yeah. It's almost as if um Larry has ascended to the rank of um a sort of unimpeachable person. Well, he's within. become a national treasure, isn't yes. he? Mike's doing him, he's become That's you know exactly, uh, yes. a national figure. And there's no need to be cruel about him in the same way that Yarwood is Slightly cruel about politicians, because and Parky, slightly and cruel that's about true, Parky. That's true. Yes, yeah. 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 Um, Larry's in a different category. Yeah. Um, which is why, as as you were saying, his his take of Larry is really just Larry. It's just Larry. Yeah. yeah. And even the bit where it feels like Larry's ad libbing or on the back foot mm-hmm. is all it's Larry. It's a you know it's quite a sensational performance. And so we have this sequence where Abba come on and they're going to be contestants on the Generation Game. Yeah. And he responds to them entirely as Larry would do well are they lovely see that applause it just shows you how lovely you are and I believe you I believe you're from Sweden yes, yeah that's right. right just a minute I've got something on me here <laughs> <laughs> isn't it lovely they come from Sweden we've got two Swedish au pairs <laughs> no. suit yourselves so I think we've alluded to the fact that we've got ABBA as the guest stars on on this show, which seems now like a massive coup, they were kind of the biggest musical act in the world, more or less in, in 1978, and we and we've got them participating in this generation game sketch and we were kind of speculating how this must have been pitched to them kind of you're going to be going on with uh mike yarwood he's doing an impression of another british entertainer uh but they respond in such a game fashion don't they they're they're really up for it and they 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 kind of more or less they deliver don't they which one are you i'm bjorn bjorn now that's bjorn that's a very popular name for babies in sweden isn't it yeah they say there's one bjorn every minute (laughs) He's going to be trouble, isn't he? See that. I'd just like to add that when I saw that uh, Abba were walking on uh, on that sketch with Yahweh in character as, as Larry Grayson, I did tense up a little bit because there's always that risk when you are juxtaposing real people, mm. especially real people from from sort of different uh, environment, different different worlds, which is Abba's world, with the world of well, it's almost like a knockabout pantomime parody, oh, very British in humour. I was worried that there there would be friction there and that, 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 that something wouldn't quite gel. Well, you know, the great thing is that they don't try to top Mike. They don't try to be funny. They've been given these lines. They deliver them perfectly, but they're not, they're not trying to give anything other than that. Because, as you say, Ian, that could go horribly wrong when 
pop stars try to go off off piste that, that can be a disaster and actually yeah you're right because at the very end of that sketch it's set up as if they're going off to take part in a game but mercifully all we do is i think the line is something like all oh, they're having to, to pretend to be a pop band or a pop group or something. and then we cut to a, a straight down the line performance well, thank you for the music. Yeah, I wanted to talk about their performances actually because we get two songs from Amber. Uh, the first one, kind of quite surprisingly, is an album track. I gotta find this work I had to do, keeping me so busy all the day through. If it wasn't for the night, and one of the things I loved about this performance is that we got to see Abba as we like to see them uh, in a grid <laughs> we, we get we, we get the two by two grid kind of close ups of all four of them uh, that's what you want really yes. and I think uh, we, didn't we say that we thought that those uh, performances had been filmed sequentially because they had different light different backing it appears to be going on which implies that they've recorded that four times if I tell a joke you've probably heard it before but when they're doing uh, Thank You for the Music, I feel that's there are more sure-footed because you want to see them in the scenario of the studio and they are there in front of Mike Yarwood's massive staircase <laughs> and all the foliage. And I think that works better when you see them properly integrated rather than in a bit that sort of smacks of pre-record. So Well, talking about Mike's impression of Larry Grayson and the Generation Game leads us on quite neatly to another sketch we get, um, which is a parody of Bruce Forsyth's Big Night, which uh, famously or infamously went up against uh, the Generation Game um, on ITV and was a massive flop. But we get a sketch which is uh, a pastiche of one of the segments from Big Night, which was the Joker's section. Meanwhile, however, it's on with the show, and first night we meet our Christmas Jokers. In which uh, members of the public just basically came on and, and told jokes uh, with, with Brucey. Uh, and there's a kind of slightly odd conceit with this sketch, isn't there? In that we get three politicians, um, Michael Foote... Harold Wilson and, bizarrely for Christmas night, uh, Enoch Powell. Um, and they come on one by one um, and trade jokes with Brucey. But they're also doing impressions of someone else. So we get Michael Foote as Max Wall. The thing is, I am not an amateur comedian. <laughs> I, I'm a semi-professional. Harold Wilson as Max Miller. How do you want them tonight? Out of the blue book or out of the white book? <laughs> this now is a funny story. This is a funny story. <laughs> Things are going to liven up now, I'm on. Uh, we also get Enoch Powell as Groucho Marx. I was going to do my favourite political joke, but I'm afraid he's just been on. Lapsing, bizarrely, at one point, into, into Mike Reed. Hello, funny. I thought that was a less sure-footed segment of the show, but one of the things I thought worked perfectly is the split-screen effect of... Brucey reacting and responding in real time to the politicians. So it's Mike responding to himself um, and kind of chivying along um, the, the the guest. It's kind of it, it, for 1978. It, it's technically brilliant. 
Yes, it's um, it, it, that is a tour de force, and I think actually, um, I mean, Mike's Brucey isn't amazing, is it? It's no, it's no Larry, no, no. And maybe part of that is because Brucey's persona is quite aggressive, and I don't think Mike Yarwood can mm. do that so mm. well. But he does get this permanent thing where one always feels in any chat that Brucey does on telly, he can see a floor manager out the corner of his <laughs> eye saying, "No, come on, quicker, we, we, we've got to wind up." So he's doing that. Yes. He does that brilliantly. Oh, yes, he's kind yes, of paraphrasing. Yes, yes, he said that. Yes. Yes, exactly. The following night, the same man goes into the same pub, orders a pint of bitter and a meat pie, drinks the beer, puts the meat pie on his head, head, walks out. (laughs) And so that works really well and really gives a kind of some real rhythm to it, where essentially what we're getting is a bit like the News at 10 sketch again, which is here come some people and here's a new framework for telling some old jokes. But I also wonder whether Mike was feeling a bit bored at this point by just doing Harold Wilson so he thinks well to liven it up I'm going to do Harold Wilson as Max Miller going "All right, lady discuss like that it sounds a bizarre concept but you can imagine Mike's tired of just doing plain old Harold so he needs to he needs to liven it up well also he probably needs another conceit to bring Harold Wilson on stage doesn't he yeah yeah, because for someone when you're an impressionist you're at the mercy of events and people passing in and out of the public eye and two of Yarwood's big hitters were Harold Wilson and Edward Heath, both of whom by this point had faded away in the in the political scene. Um, but he contrives to bring them both back into this sketch, <laughs> not entirely convincingly. Instead, we're left with Michael Foote and, and um, a, a rather excruciating um, Enoch Powell, who, as you said, uh, Chris, I mean, it's hardly <laughs> Christmas Day fair. It's hard, well, not really fair for any particular day of the year. But right? his Michael Foote is excellent, isn't yes. it? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's got all of the vocal, the, the yeah. weird vocal mannerisms yeah. that Michael Foote had by speaking so, like uh, this. Uh, I was a good man. I, I served my constituency in Bristol for many years and going up at the end of sentences <laughs> um, and also that's true of Jim Callahan, who we only see at the very beginning the Prime oh, Minister have... of the day yeah. I might have known you weren't from the Conservative Party you were all singing the same tune he <laughs> gives Callahan a vocal mannerism yeah which a vocal mannerism which perhaps I don't think he had no he? but I think that I think Mike was kind of adept at um Donating catchphrases to people who didn't necessarily have them, or perhaps that particular—it's more of a catch noise than a a catchphrase. But it it, it works well for him. So is that where the silly Billy for Dennis Healy came from as well? Then I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, absolutely. So there must be discussions that go on putting together a Mike Yarwood show, saying, "Now has this person got enough, or shall we write them a catchphrase or a catch noise?" Or or maybe these things just kind of happen organically, Mm. and and Mike decided to kind of say silly Billy, and and the public reacted to it, and Mm. and and that felt sufficiently Healy esque that that he that he stuck with it. And didn't Healy then take it back and make it (laughs) well? Well, this is, this is the bizarre kind of hall of mirrors effect <laughs> that you had with that you had with Mike Yarwood in that kind of as you say the subject suddenly became more like the Yarwood impression than than themselves. You are a lot of silly billies. Because Healy appeared on the nationwide yes. panto, didn't he? And said, "Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Well, now I'm going to sing a song. Now I don't really know why, because you've done me no harm. But however." It's only an excuse to do a few more impersonations. And so to close the show, we get uh, Mike back as himself with the huge staircase to nowhere, which you need on any 1970s BBC light entertainment extravaganza. So he starts singing a version of uh, Swing on a Star, which he renames Swinging with the Stars. (laughs) 
Would you like to swing with the stars? Carry moonbeams home in a jar. Uh, into which he interweaves a sort of a whole menagerie of impressions. Or would you rather be a fish? Now that was Des O'Connor, even if it sounded more like Tom O'Connor. <laughs> and it's funny you should mention my name because have you noticed how people drink too much at Christmas? Really? I went into a pub the other night and uh, I said to the landlord, do you know there's a Jewish fella and a Scots fella over there and they are drunk and disorderly? He said, how can you tell they're drunk and disorderly? I said, well, the Jewish fella is throwing pound notes at the Scotsman and the Scotsman's throwing them back. Then Dave Allen on, on, on the chair. You know, talking of drink, a lot of people, when they talk about the Irish, they automatically associate them with drink. Uh, we get Max Bygrave. Now, I'd like to talk about Christmas 1939. That was the year war broke out. And a lot of people blamed it on the Germans. And it wasn't the Germans who started the war. It was a publicity stunt by Vera Lynn's agent. <laughs> yeah. And many Christmases later, I was still trying to get a laugh with that gag. To get Frankie Howard. Oh, isn't he modest? I think it's Frankie Howard is fantastic. Oh, what a modest little thing, isn't he? It's really, really good. Oh, dear. <laughs> now I've got these jockey shorts on. <laughs> I think Lester Piggott's still in here. <laughs> Uh, we get Eamon Andrews. Thank you, Frankie Howard. Well, tonight... <laughs> uh, I, th I think he really kind of nails that slightly manic laugh yeah. that, that Eamon Absolutely. used to do when he's kind of, like, obviously very tense just before he's going <laughs> to uh, do the kind of this-is-your-life hit. I feel like I'm made out of gingerbread. Uh, we get uh, Sammy Davis Jr. Uh-huh. <laughs> come picking lip licking gingerbread. Gingerbread. Uh-huh. Uh, complete with a bad taste reference about uh, Sammy's his good eyes falling out and um, I dropped an eye and it's the good one and we get uh, Frank Spencer that could be very nasty we'd all be disappointed if you we didn't get a bit of Metty yeah um, and then to close we get we get we get Prince Charles seriously though I, I realise that marrying me off has now replaced soccer as the national sport <laughs> in fact I let so many girls kiss me I think I have become a national sport I have conflicting feelings about this because it is a tour de force yeah but he starts with the conceit of this song uh, Swinging with the Stars yeah and you saw I wanted him to keep coming back to that in between the impressions yeah to kind of thematically tie it all together yeah. but I mean some of the changes that he does in between personas really show his skill. So there is a bit where he has been doing Max Bygraves, a kind of lugubrious Max. Yeah. And then he ruffles his hair, <laughs> turns to, you know, camera number two, and he's Frankie Howe. Yeah. And the majesty of seeing that, that transformation. That's such a skill. Yeah. And before he's even spoken, you know where he's going. You know what he's done. And this is me. And all the monkeys in a zoo. And so it feels it peters out a little bit at the end where he reprises the song as Mike. It's almost like you've end. forgotten that he's singing Swinging with the Stars. Yeah. When, he, when he starts singing it again right at the very end, yeah. you've almost forgotten that that's how it started. Yeah, and it is like this: the company MD is back again to say, <laughs> good night everyone, have, you know, have a safe journey home, it's been lovely to see you all. Was there anyone, Ian, that you were disappointed was not in this uh, edition of the Mike Gold well, show? Well, I, I was hoping to see Sir Robin Day. 
Really? Yes, because I thought... Is that who you like to see on Christmas night? Well, no, I don't see Yarwood doing Robin Day. <laughs> I think he was one of Yarwood's big hitters. Well, maybe that shows the kind of the, the breadth of the impressions. As, as, as we mentioned earlier, that kind of he, do, he does now have not the most stellar reputation. I, as I think we sort of discussed, yeah, kind of he does have this kind of huge sort of arsenal of people. Maybe he just didn't have room for Robin. <laughs> and I do think, well, talking about his reputation, and we've talked about how we took on people... It's almost like that he he was there first. He did the initial excavation on a lot of yeah, characters yeah. that other people could then benefit from, uh, yeah. and which I, might be why his stuff kind of can, can look crude at the time. But he was the one who was breaking ground on Frank Spencer or on Robin Day. Oh, I was going to say Bruce Forsyth because if up until very recently you saw anybody doing an impression of Brucey on TV, it was essentially kind of the you know that noise, yeah. that noise. Everyone did that, and I suspect it was Mike who spotted that first and did that first. So as I mentioned when we started, um, this was a big show for the BBC this Christmas. They'd lost Morkman Wise. Uh, Mike Yarwood had been elevated into the prime slot on Christmas night. So I suspect there was kind of a realisation that they needed to give Mike kind of a, a big production. So we got that, didn't we? And I think we mentioned while we were watching it that kind of there was a, the, the actual sort of verisimilitude and the accuracy of the production was, was very strong. I think I mentioned that kind of like the, the, the set for the Bruce's Big Night sketch, that, that, that was 100% accurate. Yeah, and you got the actual title sequence for Parkinson and the actual yeah. titles for the Generation <laughs> Game and the correct typeface for the news at 10. <laughs> Well, these little, no these little, have been spared. These, I mean, these little things matter, don't they? They kind of they give it that little added sort of uh, that little added yes. push. But there's no showpiece, is there? There's no big bravura sketch. There's no well, big literal song and dance. And also, I was thinking, there's no filmed sequence, is there? Everything no. is inside the studio. Yeah. Whereas you might have got with more commonwise uh, a, um, a, a, a caper. Yeah outside on location somewhere yeah. well not so much on location but they would do, maybe do something uh, you know over at Elstree or something when they did something like singing in the rain just <laughs> dancing in the rain oh true you know yes. which, is, but which is a big number yes. where yeah. you can't have a studio audience in there this feels more like lots of smaller compartments that he's He's shuttling between. I suspect this might be one of the reasons why Mike Starr has faded over the decades and, and why he's not that kind of fondly remembered, in that there is no clip that kind of gets wheeled out time after time, like Eric and Ernie making breakfast no. or Nothing Like a Dame. That was a very good, entertaining, consistent show, but there's nothing you could sort of point to and say, oh, do you remember that Christmas when we all sat around and, 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 and watched Mike doing... Whatever, as I say, that shouldn't detract from that show because we all sat here and it's and it's forty one years old and we all kind of to a lesser or greater extent enjoyed it. Mm. But but as I say, there's nothing discreet that you can you can point to and say that's a classic. It's interesting that uh, yesterday when we were talking about BBC One and Christmas Day nineteen ninety three one of the programmes that was scheduled at the very end of the night was indeed a Morecambe and Wise mm. repeat. Mm. And I wonder if at all there's ever been any repeats of Mike Yarwood's Christmas shows. Well, I doubt it. And what Morecambe and Wise had specifically wrote to be non-topical. So this That's is probably true. what's killing him is that it's an array of characters. It's an inbuilt... That you need uh, to know. Obsolescence. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
over the last three days, we've looked at three different Christmas specials. We looked at Grange Hill from uh, 1981. We looked at a, a chunk of uh, Christmas broadcasting from 1993, and now Yarwood from 78. And in all of them, they seem very much of the time, don't they, Chris? Yeah, I think I mentioned when we were watching Grange Hill that that felt like a time capsule of 1981. Um, watching Mike Yarwood from 1978, I mean, that is very much a, a time capsule of, of that era. Um, if you know, if if you wanted to show somebody what was going on in Britain in 1978, as bizarre as it might sound, you could show them the Mike Yarwood show from that Christmas, and and they would know who the big political figures were. They would know who the big TV celebrities were. Um, so it's very much of its moment. And Ian, do you think there is this this thing in Christmas telly that maybe a lot of it is looking back over the year, isn't it? Is of taking stock, the kind of rounding up. Is that why it feels so present in the time that well, it's yeah, going it out? Yeah, it has a bit of inbuilt um, retrospective qualities to it because it, it falls at the end of the year. Um, you instinctively perhaps want to sort of sum up or, or put a full stop on, on the year. Uh, and, if, and if you are wanting to have your biggest and best entertainment on display, you will inevitably draw from the pool of the previous 12 months and deploy it to try and get the biggest audience and make the biggest splash. Now, I don't think that's the case anymore. I don't think if you were to sample Christmas Day television from recent years, it would tell you anything at all of consequence about that particular time. But that, I think, is just a reflection of the way that Christmas television as a whole has moved away from the kind of things that we've been talking about into a, well, what is it? It's a far more non-specific sort of aggregation of what are perceived to be popular programmes. That's a good enough ending, do you think? Yeah. It's yeah. a bit, bit pompous. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to What We Just Watched from TV Cream, in which we watched the Mike Yarwood Christmas Show from Christmas Day 1978. So from all of us... A very Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year. Goodbye. Goodbye.